On today's show, Sam Merrill does it again, and the Cavs beat the Jazz without Donovan Mitchell on top of no Garland and no Mobley. Let's dive into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerel. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. As always, we're here to talk about Cavs Jazz, Sam Merrill, and also talk about Ricky Rubio, who is maybe not long for the Cleveland Cavaliers based on some recent reporting from The Athletic. But Evan, let's start with Cavs Jazz. We'll get to Rubio in segment three. Cleveland wins. No Donovan Mitchell, who's out with an illness on top of... No Darius Garland, no Evan Mobley. What stood out to you from Cleveland's win over the Utah Jazz? Well, Sam freaking Merrill stood out in this one against the Utah Jazz. Like, was an absolute flamethrower off the bench for the second game in a row for Cleveland. And especially when there was no Donovan Mitchell, as you said, no Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. Like, Jared Allen was the quote-unquote star on the floor. And the Cavs has some high-end role players in Karis LeVert, Max Struess. But, like... We were, we were talking about opportunities for guys to maybe get cracks in the rotation or just kind of find minutes at J.P. Bakerstaff. Um, like when fully healthy, I, I doubt there's as many opportunities available for Sam Merrill, uh, either leading up to this game or going forward. But this is just another example of like, okay, the Cavs do have depth in places. It's just like, you know, you have unfortunately have to find these opportunities because of injuries and things like that. So I think going forward, you just keep an eye on this and you just keep kind of making a firmer and firmer case that Sam Merrill should be part of the rotation. But um, well, let me ask you, that. what are you you making of Merrill? Do you believe this is someone that can be a rotation piece? Like when the team is healthy, like, so, okay. So I I, I agree with you. So why, why do you think that? Because J.B. Bickerstaff is a coach and creature of habit. I don't know him personally or like his coaching methodology fully, but just based on like my observations, the Cavs just have more players established in the rotation ahead of Merrill. And he kind of fills that vein of like a Lamar Stevens um, type player. Maybe like he's kind of scrapping with Dean Wade at the very back of the rotation for minutes because he provides you a pretty premium commodity and that's three point shooting. But like when this team's fully healthy, you have to allocate those minutes to Mitchell, Garland, Mo. Mobley, Struess, Levert, Allen, Niang, Okoro, like that, that's eight players there and there's only so much to go around. So if anything, he's more made of a firm case that like he could be a guy that they lean on some nights, but like most nights, I also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play when this team's fully healthy, but like this gives you a lot of tangible footage and film of what he does provide you. And just the fact that it certainly seems real that he provides you three-point shooting, which is a premium commodity. Like, that is just a nice feather to have in your cap, and if you need to use it, you can utilize it. So, I agree with you. I think the thing for me with Sam Merrill is that I think we should both, I think, appreciate what he's doing right now and what he's provided and how it's helping them win games like this because the most important thing here is that they've now went through in a row without Garland and Mobley. And they won a game without Mitchell on top of that against Utah. For them to just get wins right now and to not, at least as of yet, have a big losing streak that that gets them in in a tough spot in the East, that's a good thing. If you just look at the standings right now, Cleveland 16 and 12. They are top six in the East right now with a three-game winning streak. They're six and four in their last 10. 
Boston's obviously well ahead of them. They're five and a half games back of first place. They're four and a half back of second place. They're they're behind Philly as well in this, and they're you know half a game behind the Knicks, a, a game behind the Orlando Magic, and then they're on top of teams. They're tied record wise with the tiebreaker over Miami. They're ahead of Indiana by a game. They're ahead of Brooklyn. They're ahead of Atlanta, ahead of the Bulls, ahead of Toronto. They're in a spot right now where there are all these wins ultimately are going to matter at the end of the year. If they're going to avoid the plane and, and be at least a top six seed and have a chance to salvage what has been, I think, a, a disappointing ish start to the season, you need games like this. That's where someone Sam Mayer, I think, should be appreciated. We, I, there's, I don't want to pour so much cold water on this, even though that is, I, I have what a, we're doing. Well, I'm not, but I'm, I'm trying to challenge myself because. A lot of the times when I look at this, I try to look really far ahead and I try to think, okay, what does this look like in April? What does this look like in May? Right now, I just don't really care too much about April and and May. I care about the Cavs surviving right now if I am them. I think for them, getting Merrill, adjusting the way they've played, getting other guys to play really well, that's been enough. And it's getting them in a spot where they can, even if these aren't good teams, the Jazz are not a good team. The fact that they're beating teams like this and at least just taking care of business without injuries is a really good thing for this team right now. And Sam Merrill is absolutely just contributing to that and deserves a lot of credit for the way he's playing and, and for earning the minutes and the run that he's getting right now. Yeah, he absolutely does deserve credit. And I think we're on the same page in saying that he is in that Lamar Stevens type vein where if J.B. Bickerstaff calls his number, we now know like he's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment and he kind of knows his fit with some of the other role players or at least the Cavs coaching staff has an understanding of like his fit with some of the role players, maybe the star guys. Cause he did play with Donovan Mitchell before Mitchell missed the game against the jazz and will be not be missing the game against the Pelicans due to illness. Um, but like, yeah, this is just a reliable thing to have because I think you can't have all these opportunities to have like a full understanding of what does and doesn't work because there's only so much you can learn from practice. There's always limited practice opportunities too. So you get these live on court reps. It, it gives you a firmer understanding of just like, okay, how does Sam fit with us in going forward? Sure. His contract is manageable. It's 2.5 million for this year. Um, but maybe he's not much of like a trade piece for Cleveland or like, they're not as inclined to include him in a deal just because they know like, okay, Sam functions and fits well with this system versus like Damian Jones or like, Ty Jerome, who hasn't been healthy, like Sam Merrill is maybe saving his bacon from ever being traded away from Cleveland. And he found a team that he can finally stick with after um, having the knee injury with the Bucks, then being cut by the Kings and then having to fight his way back up with charge. He might have a team he can finally stick with. I, I think overall for this win, too, you just look at the way they played. You look at the way they, they shot in the, third, the fourth quarter in particular, pulled ahead in this game. All of this just means I think they have a style of play that is working for them right now. And I think this game, I think, really worked in terms of this game really worked in terms of that figuring things out enough and like this was a game where the bench overall I thought was the deciding factor it's why they got the junkyard dog chin Tristan Thompson gives you 10 and 5 off the bench in 18 mm-hmm. minutes Niang gives you 15 Lavert gives you 23 Merrill gives you 27 and then you know Struce has 18 and Allen has 17 and but you you got so much from your bench and that's the kind of stuff that's going to win you games right now if you look at the upcoming schedule too they get the Bulls they get the Pelicans first on Thursday you're getting the Bulls on Saturday. You get Dallas in Dallas after Christmas. I mean, it's not inconceivable to me that they go 5-0, and 4-1 and before you get to Dallas. And then things get a little bit tougher. You do get the Bucks, You get the Raptors. You get, and then you get the Wizards twice. And then you get the Spurs right before you go to Paris. 
they they get a very like sought like relatively right now, all things considered. They're not going to win every one of these games. They're going to have some duds here and there. It's going to happen. But all things considered, like this is a fairly manageable schedule for a team that is in something of an injury crisis right now. So like if there's a silver lining to all of this, you get to Christmas and you tell me they went four and one without their guys and one of the games are without Mitchell. That that's that's a dub. That's a huge dub. Oh, it's a massive dub. And I, I did kind of notice this. Um, they are six and one in their last seven home games, six in uh or sorry, seven and three overall in their last um ten home games with like the last like two big losses being to um the the after the Heat and the Lakers game, they're six and three. Um but regardless um the the and they started the season one and three at home like they are looking better and i think like you said the bench stepping up in a huge way is huge but also just the fact that they are stringing together wins i i don't want to say consistently but they are consistently finding ways to win like uh, we talked about this after the um rockets game like it wasn't the prettiest game but one of the more impressive wins for cleveland just considering everything that was going on outside of just what was happening on the court so yeah, if they go four and one on this stretch and like they're feeling fine heading into the new year, um, they beat Toronto on New Year's Day, as you had mentioned. Um, like, yeah, the the Cavs should be in a good place. Like, realistically speaking, like the Bucks are now their like toughest upcoming opponent next Friday at home, and like they play Chicago, which they are playing better without Zach Levine lately. But I don't know fully how to understand that team. But um, yeah, it's just it's fascinating to see how they're playing and also i think it's just you know credit where credit's due to like jb bickerstaff for keeping this team prepared and also just kind of having a coaching plan in place that allows the Cavs to function without the the majority of their star players all right coming up next we're going to give a game awards i get i think you can guess who's going to be mvp for this one we'll touch on that up next Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So this week on Josh's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week, let's check out who Josh has picked. A name that I like on his list is Grayson Allen, the Phoenix Suns wing. Bradley Beal is hurt again for Phoenix. So you're going to see Grayson Allen getting strong minutes and a nice increase in usage over the next few weeks. That's a name to watch for a team that is still going to put up points. It's going to need shooting. Grayson Allen is a name to look at. Josh Lloyd from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. If you have a nice... If you have a personal experience buying a car from eBay, you should let us know. We'd love to shout you out on the show. But I got to tell you, I love eBay Motors because it allows me to keep all the accessories in mind for my Ford Bronco to keep it up and running long term. When I eventually have to buy parts, I'm going to save money, find the right part with eBay's guaranteed fit. And they have over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die live at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And again, check them out at ebaymotors.com. All right, Cavs Jazz Awards. Evan, Sam Merrill, that's the MVP, right? There's no other pick here. 
Uh, yeah, there's not really any other pick. You could give shouts to other bench players like George Yang stepped up. He was uh, Howitzer from three. Uh, that's where well, he took ten of those. Um, Karis LeVert was great in this game. I just think the bench unit just really stepped up as a whole. But yeah, Sam Merrill led the charge. He led both teams in scoring off the bench, which is you know weird to say out loud, but you know given the circumstances, it does make sense. But yeah, it was definitely Merrill. He is the only pick for this. Like you could look at any of the bench guys. I know like all of them got the all the got the chain. Yeah, all of that is true. But twenty seven for him. Him lighting it up from three, him letting it fly from three. That's just a highly, highly impressive number. And particularly the fourth quarter when they won the third, the fourth quarter, 32 to 23. The third quarter, Cleveland loses 37 to 30. And they need the they need a strong fourth quarter to close this out. So what happens? Cavs win 32 to 23, and Sam freaking Merrill plays nearly the whole quarter and has 10 points, as did Karis Silver. So it's those two guys down the stretch. But I don't think I ever had on my bingo card this year that you'd be like, Hey, Sam Merrill basically was the closer for the Cavs in a game that they wanted to win and played the most minutes of anyone on the team during a fourth quarter run. It did not have that on my bingo card, so shouts to him. I also didn't have on my bingo card fans chanting MVP when he was at the free throw line in the closing moments of the game, and I'm just like, you know what, yeah, good for him. And it would be interesting because I think post-game he said the same thing he said against the Rockets. He's like, it's just one game. like, But these are good confidence boosters too just because for a guy who had his – core belief in himself maybe shaken at times even though he never gave up on himself entirely um just like just because of injuries and maybe the steps and trials and tribulations it took to get to the nba like these are moments that really can make his career uh, much more impactful long term and hey maybe he does become a rotation guy for the Cavs after they get healthy again and like just continues this hot streak and it's harder and harder for jb bakerstaff not to play him but yeah it's sam merrill without a doubt he was the best player in this game and i'm interested to see if the legend of Sam Merrill continues to grow when they play the Pelicans. Uh, more likely to get minutes when everyone's healthy, Craig Porter Jr. or Sam Merrill? Oh, good question. It, it does, because we're going to talk about Rubio in the next segment. It does depend mm-hmm. on what they do with Rubio. Like, do they go get a defensive or just more of a point guard to actually back up Darius Garland? And that, you know, bumps Craig Porter Jr. out of the rotation a bit. Um, I would say Merrill just from the shooting aspect because you can do a lot more with that, especially with how Cleveland likes to play on the inside, and Merrill can really benefit from that. I'm not saying like he's a gravity bender, but he can certainly benefit from other guys getting defensive attention. Whereas Porter, like who can take threes and sometimes make them, uh, is more of a struggle offensively to score. Um, but I don't know. Like you can make an argument for either. I just think you run with the hot hand idea, basically. Like if one guy just looks like he has it that night, you play him, and if that guy ends up not having it the other night, you play the other one to see if they have it. All right. Uh, stat of the night for me. It's Sam Merrill related again. They won the fourth quarter, as we said, thirty-two to twenty-three. They did that with a seven of twelve mark from three versus zero six from Utah. Cleveland won this game on three-pointers. Sam Merrill had three of those threes in the quarter. Struz adds two. Levert and Yang both have one. But it's it's Sam Merrill taking, taking and making the most threes in a quarter where the Cavs won via the three ball. That's how they won this game. Sam Merrill's at the head of that. That's, again, wild. So, yeah, that's my well, set of the night. What's yours? Well, for context on that Sam Merrill stat, like he was three makes short of tying Kyrie Irving's record for most three-pointers made in the game. <laughs> so pretty nuts <laughs> to think about. Um, but for me, mine's more bench-related overall. 
Um, the four players that came off the bench for Cleveland, uh, Sam Merrill, George Niang, Tristan Thompson, and Karis LeVert were responsible for 60.5% of the points, total points scored by the Cavs that night. Like, that really does crystallize how like they the starting unit is lacking without Mitchell and Garland out there and Mobley. Um, and like, yeah, Allen and Struess did pick up the slack. Like Allen had 17 and 8, Struess had 18, 4 and 4. But like it just again, like the depth was really on display. And this was more of like a total team effort on Cleveland's part, especially when like they are down and out and dealing with a kind of pesky jazz team, but a jazz team that isn't great on the road either. What's your play of the night? Uh, probably. I was surprised, honestly, the Colin Sexton tribute video. Um, I, I yeah. So what, what was the what was the reaction? What was the I, reaction? Uh, I wasn't at the game. I was watching it. From oh, that's home, right. But Jackson oh, filled me in. Um, I got a lot of I got a lot of Sam Merrill texts from that guy. He's just on. He's he's enjoying his he's moment on, right now, and I'm really happy cloud. for him. It's really funny because after the Rockets game, because he writes for me at Write Down Euclid now. For those who are listening, um. He's like, can I just redo the recap and just talk about Sam Merrill? I'm like, yeah, of course. Do whatever you want. <laughs> he's like, thank you. <laughs> but because um, yeah, he's like a proud soccer dad or something like watching his his son. Um, maybe this is just how people felt about Jetty Osmond and we're seeing it again now. But either way, um, I was just surprised that he got a tribute video just because it, it's murky. I know he was polarizing. I certainly was the spearhead on the negative side of it for a good portion of his time in Cleveland. But um, I am glad that just like the, the Cavs did do something just because he has had some significant moments for them. Like he was the first like young player picked post LeBron and he was a product of that Kyrie trade. Like there's emotional attachment with that or the fact that like the Cavs were God awful. And at least he was exciting and gave you something fun to watch. Most nights is most of the vets were mentally checked out as rookie and sophomore seasons. And then the rest of the team got the youngsters on the team got better than him and kind of got phased out. But like, I don't know, he, he was exciting. And I think just, you know, giving him a quick thank you is a nice gesture because, you know, goodwill with players, either current or former is always a good thing. Just period for this team. Play of the night for me. Jared Allen um, has a really, really nice. Yeah, on, on an, an actual basketball play. Jared Allen, fourth quarter, 425 to go. Karis Levert cuts through. Jared Allen finds him uh, from the elbow. Levert, nice cut, beat Colin Sexton, caught him sleeping, just beat him well ahead of it. And Jared Allen just with the nice pass. The Cavs right now have to manufacture offense like this. They have to make things just work. They have to ask more of people and ask them to do things that they're not, I think, the most comfortable with. Jared Allen looking over Walker Kessler, knowing what the call was, and Karis Levert setting up. Those two guys in tandem right there. Good for them to get that done. A little bit of uh, probably a, an old school little Brooklyn Nets connection between them on that action. All right, after this, Ricky Rubio. He might be done in the NBA. It seems like definitely seems like he might be done in Cleveland. We'll talk about it after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you have to define how you give to yourself. And the holidays are a great time to do that. So whether it's by starting going to therapy, going easier on yourself during the rough moments, or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. Therapy, for me, is a way that I work on myself and do better i go every other week um, i'm changing things in my life right now uh, on the job front and that has been a huge boon for me to kind of navigate some conversations i had to have and tell people that i've formed relationships with that i was going somewhere else and that has been a huge huge deal so if you're thinking about starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online 
It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedInNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's Better, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash LockedInNBA. And again, today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So Ricky Rubio, Evan, based on this reporting from The Athletic, that's Joe Varden and Shams Charania on the byline, It's the Cavs are looking at ways to potentially move on from Ricky Rubio. That could be uh, they're discussing parting ways with him. It could be a trade. It could be buying him out where he gets a quote, substantial portion and quote of the contract. They could stretch him in some ways. Um, so there's a, it's not clear what this is going to look like. But mm-hmm. it very much feels like Ricky Rubio is not coming back. The Cavs need guards. And I'm not surprised it has gotten here based on how Rubio has been talked about. You obviously just wish him well. But he's likely not coming back this season, may never play in the NBA again. And I think that this is a logical place for this to go, even if it's an uncomfortable thing to discuss. Because this, anytime I think someone is injured or away from the team for real valid reasons it can be uncomfortable to kind of look at moving that person on. Oh, it's a super uncomfortable conversation just because from an empathy standpoint, you totally understand like the, the mental toll that constantly being injured or just having to deal with these injuries, like tearing the same ACL twice and just not kind of being the same physically on the court after that is frustrating. And we don't know fully what happened with the Spanish national team, but his decision to step away from basketball was related to his time with the Spanish national team and also how I think the Cavs season ended as well. So I think those can couple it together there. But like you said, um, on that side of things, like you want to give Ruby all the time and patience in the world to just figure out what he wants to do next to his career. Does he want to return to the United States or do he rather stay home in Spain with his family and just be around that instead? Like totally understandable. And the Cavs have done that every step of the way. They haven't rushed him. I asked JP Bickerstaff a couple weeks ago, like, how's it gone or how's it going? Are there any updates? He's like, it's just essentially short, brief conversations via text every few days, and there's not really any update at the time, but he's doing okay, is what bigger staff told me. But from a basketball side of things, that is a roster spot that is occupied by a player that's not even in the United States, um, that is occupied by a player that has not given you anything on the court this season and could be used for something else. And like you said, the, the contract is somewhat attractive just because I believe the last year isn't guaranteed, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it's, it, there's a partial guarantee on that on the last year of the deal. So it's essentially like an expiring quote unquote. Um, but let's just say Cleveland calls up Washington or Detroit and says, "Let's just use Washington as an example, just because he's been on my brain lately." Um, um, like they just call up the Wizards and say. Hey, we want DeLon right, and we'll send you Ricky Rubio and a future second round pick for your trouble. And then the Wizards can then buy him out because they have the cap space and they aren't playing for meaningful basketball. And DeLon Wright gives you like that defensive combo guard that can provide some more playmaking chops and at least like, you know, relieve Darius Garland of having to command the full playmaking responsibilities of point. Or like you, same prospects with Detroit, you do it with Monte Morris or. 
maybe the Grizzlies just like can't get it together, even though Jaws back and somehow and they have roster spot issues like they get. You could like finesse like John Conchar and Derek Rose from them, but you have to set a couple more second rounders for that. Like the Cavs are going to have to pay a bit of a price for this. if They want to trade Rubio just to kind of get that financial relief because they are right up against the salary cap or the luxury tax threshold. But if they can't find a trade, it's likely going to be a stretch and wave because they are like $675,000 under the luxury tax threshold. And you want to maybe just kind of keep that flexibility down going forward. And doing that is probably going to be stretching and waving Rubio's contract, waving and stretching Rubio's contract. Yeah. I mean, the financial part of this is certainly a part of it. That's why I wonder if there is just like a cost saving measure here. Ultimately, if they read the season that way, you could look at Tyus Jones as well from Washington. That's a little bit more money. So you have to match, but it's, it's a name I think I would almost like better than non already. If you're looking for something a little more stable, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways you could really look at this and process what they could do. I I I wonder if I wonder ultimately if the easiest way out here is like he gets bought out and yeah. the trade part of it you could run it out. I mean, there's not necessarily an impetus to do this. I don't think um, unless you're really adamant about like filling a guardian immediately, but it but. I don't know. I don't know how pressed I am to do something immediately to fill a need now when you ha- you could just lean on Craig Porter Jr. and navigate that and, and figure out where you are in a little yeah. bit more time. You know, I, I think that's the, the part of this where I wonder if they can. Af- I think they couldn't afford to be a little bit patient and figure stuff out. And then you get to closer to that and say, this is where we actually are as a team. How all in should we be? How aggressive should we be? And what does that mean for what goes on with Rubio? I agree with you. Um I think with Craig Porter Jr., you try to milk out as long as possible, like how long you can um, utilize that luxury of a two-way contract before maybe like you have to convert that to a normal regular NBA contract. And perhaps the Cavs look at like Pete Nance or something who's been playing really well and kind of lock him up on a two-way. Or maybe they sign Zaire Smith as well, who's been playing well for the charge um, and add him as like your 15th guy on the depth chart. But no matter what, the Cavs and Ricky Rubio are heading towards an end with his time with the in his second stint with the Cavs. I think it's, you know, disappointing just because I think there is that fan aspect and the excitement that he brought the team when he was healthy and like just available to um, push the Cavs bench. You know, like it was lightning in a bottle, and the Cavs just couldn't recapture it because unfortunately, I think that injury just really tapped Rubio out, and it just never really clicked or fit and it's just the unfortunate reality of the situation and um like the Varden and Shams reported that um the Cavs have their doubts personally and that Rubio has a desire to return to the NBA this season and now they kind of have to get off the pot and figure out what the next step is and that's probably just in a divorce that will probably end as quietly as possible whether that's a trade or a buyout we'll see I'd lean towards buyout more than a trade just because I don't think teams are going to be feeling that inclined to eat that much money for a few second rounders unless like they can flip them. But who knows? Maybe Kobe Allman can smooth things over with the team or like just work things out with Washington or Memphis or Detroit or some team that maybe needs some type of flexibility or wiggle room or is willing to eat a contract for a few seconds. Yeah, and I, if I'm Cleveland, I also just wouldn't want to give up the very few assets that I have to just move yeah, a guy on. I would rather just give spy on. Yeah. Yep. Easier. Yep. Yep. And because look at the Cavs, they are trying to use second round picks to develop dudes with the charge, and 
Craig Porter Jr. and Sam Merrill or UDFAs, but like you hope Isaiah Mobley and Amani Bates pan out. And then like you have Khalifa Giop and Luke Travers, who Mike Ganzi recently said could very well be a Cavalier one day. Um, and you just kind of figure it out. So yeah, you can hold on to those assets as much as you can, especially because a, a bigger and maybe more impactful trade could materialize down the line. We're going to end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Darnold. Back for you for one last episode before the holidays. And on Friday, recapping Cavs Pelicans. We'll talk to you then. Give out some Christmas gifts as well on that one. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Peace out, y'all.